Uh, and so I want to jump into this. So we've been using it as a as a scripture uh, for our uh, basis for this series, Ephesians 4, 15 through 16. That, and I want to just focus on the highlighted parts, and you can take a picture of this and write it down and look at it later. Uh, the key is here that God wants us to grow up, right? God wants us to grow up. Everyone that has ever had children do not want their children to stay babies forever, <laughs> right? Uh, well, we were talking about the baby, and, and she would say she can't wait till the baby gets through the teething station, right? That, that, that teething stage is not a fun stage, right? Nobody wants their children to stay children forever. And it's the same way with God. He does not want you to stay a child forever. Amen. Because there are certain things that he wants to give you that he can't give you unless you mature. Does that make sense? There are certain things that he wants to give you that he can't give you until you mature. I love, I have three wonderful boys, 15, 11, and 5. And I love all three of them, but none of them are ready to have the keys in my car. <laughs> right? They have not matured enough in order to get the keys in my car. Right? God wants us to, what, grow up. And I love that last part. And not just grow up, but he wants you to grow up, well, how? Healthy. Somebody say healthy. Right. He wants you to grow up healthy. That's very important. Uh, we made this statement, which is very important on last week, that your spiritual growth should be a top priority in your life. Right? Your spiritual growth should be a top priority in your life. It has to be numero uno. We, we did a deep dive in this a couple of weeks ago. A deep dive on why it is important that your spiritual growth be numero uno. Because spiritual growth spurs all other growth. And we went through the scriptures and showed you how that, is, how that happens. Spiritual growth spurs all other growth. And so you have people out there who are wealthy, but they're miserable because they don't have spiritual growth. People who have great jobs and great positions, but they're miserable because they don't have Jesus. Are you understanding what I'm telling you? Right? So your spiritual growth should be a top priority in your life. Spiritual growth. What, what is spiritual maturity? Growing up in my love for Christ and others, here's the key, thus resulting in my actions. Right? Thus resulting in my actions. As kids grow in the natural, their actions ought to change. If I walked up to the pulpit and I had a bottle in my hand and a pacifier, you'd be like, pastor has lost his mind, right? There's, my actions ought to resemble my growth. That makes sense to you. My actions ought to resemble my growth. So you can tell where growth is on how you used to respond to something that you don't respond to no more, right? You used to get frustrated and get upset and your temper get upset. But when you're growing in God, those buttons aren't there no more. And the enemy used to know what button to push. But as you grow in Christ, he can't find that button no more. That button does exist because you've grown out of that button. Come on, am I talking to somebody here today, right? I used to have some buttons. The enemy knew how to push those buttons. But as I grew in God, those buttons no longer existed, right? So when we talk about spiritual maturity and growing, growing in my love for Christ and others, thus it must result in my behavior, all right? Then we looked at the five beliefs and the attitudes that are necessary for growth. This is important. One, uh, the mindset must be that I'm willing to give my life away for the sake of Christ and others, okay? I'm willing to give my life away for the sake of Christ and others. Number two, Christ first, period. Christ first, period. And we did a deep dive on that as well. Christ first, period, right? It can't be Christ second, third, or he's somewhere on the list. It must be Christ first. And this is, to me, the biggest crisis that we are experiencing in the body of Christ, where Christ is not first, right? And the enemy will make sure that he throws everything else to make sure that Christ keeps moving further and further down the list. 
right? But he must be first, period, right? That's a non-negotiable for spiritual growth. Let me say that again. That's a non-negotiable for spiritual growth. Christ must be first. And you have to be honest with yourself and take a look at yourself and say, am I putting Christ first? Or am I letting everything else be before Christ? Right? And that's a question only you can answer. I can't answer that. As a pastor, I can just present to you the, the, the tools and the nutrients that are necessary for you to grow. That's all I can do, right? Christ first, period. Number three, my identity is in Christ. Therefore, I exist to know, to love, and to serve God. Right? Paul said, it is no longer I that liveth, but he that liveth through me, right? So my identity is in Christ. My identity is not in my job. My identity is not in uh, my last name, maybe a, a popular name. My identity is in Christ, right? We talked about Paul when he was, uh, when Jesus went into the, uh, was, was about to be crucified, and they said, hey, you walk like him. You talk, uh, Peter, you walk like him. You talk like him, Peter. He said, I, I, I'm not him. Why happened? Because his identity had become so meshed with Christ. And so he began to sound like Christ and walk like Christ. Have you ever seen anyone hang out with somebody and they started sounding like them and using the phases that they use and they never used to talk like that? And all of a sudden you say, who you been hanging out with? Right? Because identity changes according to your surroundings. Identity changes according to your surroundings. Number four, real quickly, the Bible is, watch, this is important, your final authority and guide to everything and every decision that you make. That's a big one. That's a big growth one right there. We were talking about that today, right? That the Bible has to be your final authority and your guide. Every decision I make, it's not about how I feel, but it's about the manual. I told you before, the Bible, it's not a book of rules, right? But it is a manual for life. And it's important that you understand that, right? It's a manual for life. Every now and then in my car, I may get a light that comes on a dashboard that I'm not familiar with. But I have to open up the glove compartment, go into the manual, look up what that is, and it'll tell me what that means, right? Now, if I'm driving a, a, a Chevrolet, I'm not going to look in the manual of a Toyota <laughs> to find out what the light is. And that's what we do. Right? God made us. He gave us the Bible as our manual, but we're looking at every other book but the Bible. All these lights are flashing off in our life, all these issues, all these problems, but we won't look at the manual. The manual tells you what's going on in your life. The last one, number five, is that I daily reflect. We're talking about the behavior and the attitude for growth, that I daily reflect on Scripture as it relates to my life. And the key here is daily, every day. Just like you feed your natural body every day. Right? I'm sure everybody here eats every single day. That's how important your spiritual life ought to be. Right? That every day you are digesting the word of God. Let's look at the scripture in the book of um, Mark chapter 4, verse 24. And it says, and be sure, here's the key to this, to put into practice what you hear. Right? So these things just don't happen. These behaviors don't happen. You have to practice righteousness. You have to practice love. And if you are sincere about this, guess what God will do? God will give you plenty of opportunity to practice. There's a lot of people he can send your way to help you practice love. Y'all are quiet today. You're quiet. It's all right. There's a lot of people he can send your way to help you practice long-suffering. There's a lot of issues he can send your way to help you practice patience. But watch this. You don't just have them. You have to practice what you hear. 
So we talk about this awesome thing of growing this week. I gave you these five quick points that we went over last week. And, and here it is. If you walk out of here and don't practice it, it won't do you any good. You have to practice what you hear. So what does practice mean? Some people say, well, I don't know what that means. Let me help you out then. Repeated exercise. Right? Practicing is not something you do once. Practicing is a repeated exercise in or performance of an activity or skill. So here it is, as to acquire or maintain proficiency. You are not only acquiring what you're practicing a skill, but you have to maintain the skill. Right? So you will be, to maintain patience, you have to be tested in patience. To maintain love, your love has to be tested every now and then, right? So practice, it's not just about getting the, uh, acquiring it. It's about maintaining it to make sure you stay like Christ. Now, who better to, to exemplify that than Christ? Christ was tempted in every way, all the way up to the cross, <laughs> right? Why? Because he was putting into practice who he was. Somebody say practice. Three barriers to growth, real quickly. I want you to write these down. One, those who invest little or uh, little effort in their faith, right? We're talking about barriers to growth, people who just do not invest. It takes time to grow, right? We talked about Ben and his fitness. He's a fitness guy, right? And I was talking to my neighbor who across the street who's in his late 60s, and he was talking about he goes to the gym every other day. Uh, sometimes he goes at 11 o'clock at night, don't get back to 2 o'clock in the morning. But it takes what? It takes effort Effort, effort, and investment in your body in order to be healthy. How many people agree with that? I wish it was as easy as I put on pounds, it was easy to get off. Right? I, I mean, if you can figure that out, let me know. I, mean, I, I wish I can really get them off as fast as I can. I mean, the other day, Mr. Softy was around in my neighborhood, and I went to the Mr. Softy truck with no guilt. Let me get a large black and white milkshake, right? And I just, I didn't think about the calories. I didn't think about the consequences. I'll deal with it later. But you know what? You know how much time it takes me to work off that one shake that took me 10 minutes to gulp down? I mean, don't you wish you could get the pounds off as fast as you, as you got them on? It doesn't work like that, right? But you have to invest effort. And when you're not growing, a barrier to spiritual growth is little invested effort in your faith, right? Coming to Sundays is the bare minimum. <laughs> That's the bare minimum. I still have problems getting people to do the bare minimum. That's the bare minimum. But you can't survive just eating once a week, and some people don't even eat once a week. Spiritually, right? You have to invest, not little investment. You have to make big investment because you will constantly make that little investment a barrier to your growth. Am I helping somebody here today? Number two, those, another barrier, the second barrier was those who were less connected to their church family. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Those who are less connected to your church family. You're not supposed to grow alone. You're not supposed to grow alone. Number three, and those who said they were too busy. Now, this is a study that was done by the Barna Group, and I'm going to go into the second study for today. Uh, and they, they, they interviewed thousands of Christians, those who felt they were growing, those who weren't, and they studied their behavior. And these were the three things that were the biggest barriers to people's growth, right? The enemy will always tell you you're too busy. Does he tell you that? He tells me that. Come on. You're too busy to pray. You're too busy to read the Bible. But we find time to do everything else, right? It's not that you're too busy. It's just that you have to prioritize your time. And when we say prioritize, you invest in what you believe in. You invest in what you believe in. My wife and I have to 
effort, put effort in making sure we have a date night every week. We invest in what we believe in. We make sure we spend time with our kids. We invest in what we believe in, right? You put your time what you believe in. So when it comes to your spiritual growth, you have to consciously and with effort put your time in. Amen? So let's look at this real quickly for today. Three activities, and this, I'm going to close with this, with this piece. Three activities that influence the strongest growth. How many people want to know the three things that can make you grow the strongest? Amen. I thought you'd be a little happier than that. All right. Okay. The three activities that influence the strongest growth. Now, I did not make this up. Again, uh, this, this was a study that was done on just tons of churches on the three activities that help people that come to church grow the strongest. And we're going to back this up with scripture. I want everyone that says that RCC is their family to grow, to grow, to grow strong. Amen? Because when you see a spiritual man grows, everything else grows. All right? Number one was weekend services. Right? Now, I wish I did do this study, but I didn't. Right? People that grew the strongest said, I am committed to attending services that enhance my growth. Critical. Critical. All right, let's look at the scripture that backs this up real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another. We're supposed to encourage each other to come into fellowship. Amen? But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return draws near. As we are entering the last days, right, you got to be around people who are spiritually strong. If you've never eaten spiritually uh, before, you ought to be starving in this day and age, right? All, all the craziness going on. You can't even watch television anymore without crazy commercials about all kind of ungodly things on. You can't even walk down the streets everywhere. If there ever was a time that you came together as a, as a body of Christ, that time ought to be now. And the Bible says, hey, don't neglect coming together as some people do. Right? Don't neglect coming together. We have to come. When we come together, there's strength. You can't come together in fellowship and leave feeling worse than you came. I've never come to church. I may have come to church feeling heavy, but I've never left feeling heavy. Come on, am I talking to anybody here today? I, 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 I may have come to church feeling like I don't know what's going on, but I've always left feeling like I have hope. I have courage. Am I by myself? Have you ever, do you leave feeling encouraged? It may not always be clear, but I do leave feeling like, I can get through this week. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I, 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 I can make another couple of days, right? Why? That's not because I'm the pastor, but because what? There's something that happens when we come together. The Bible says this in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 24. It says, these words I speak unto you, this is what Jesus said, not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvement to your standard of living. They are the word. Jesus said, the words that I speak, here what they are. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. That is awesome. He says, my words are words to build a life on. The Bible is not just about books put together. It is words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, here it goes. You have to work the word in your life. Can I say it again? You have to work the word in your life. That means it's going to take effort on your part. Come on, somebody. It's going to take strength on your part 
to work this word into your life. Because your life, the enemy does not want the word to find place in your life. He'll do everything he can to make sure that there's no room for the word in your life. That's where the battle starts. He says, but if you put effort and you work these words in your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built this house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. He says a tornado came, but nothing can move the house. That means that no matter what storm you go through in life, if you put the word first, there isn't a storm big enough that the enemy can throw at you to take you out. Come on, somebody. There isn't a tornado large enough that he can throw at you to get you off your game. Why? Because you have put the word first and you have built your life on the word. There's certain things that people say to me, I, I am unshakable because I've chosen to build my life on the word. How many people want to be unshakable? That when life's tornado comes, it cannot take you out. Number two, serving in the church. Serving in the church built the strongest. I know, I, you would think I put this together. It's so amazing. I almost cried when I saw this study. Serving in the church. You know, you know why I was amazed? Because it's like, I'm like, I've been echoing this for years. <laughs> right? Serving in the church. And this is what people who had the strongest growth said. I serve in my church in some capacity. I serve in my church in some capacity. But let me tell you the why this is important. I'm giving you the what they said, but this is why it's important for you to serve. The Bible says in Proverbs 11 to 25, the generous will prosper. Here it goes. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Oh, man, that's a good scripture. Those, thank you, heaven, for your clap. I'm so glad somebody's clapping here. Those who refresh others. So watch this. I'm refreshing you. I always feel refreshed after service, as tired as I may be, but I feel refreshed because as I refresh you, God refreshes me. That's why it's important for you to serve because when you're serving and you're out there, Sister Chris's out there greeting uh, with, with Lady Ray and, everybody, and, and Pastor Rick is leading worship. Because as you're refreshing somebody else, you yourself are being refreshed. Rayshawn's dimming the lights, changing the color. Whatever. As you are refreshing somebody else, creating an experience for somebody else in the presence of God, God makes sure that he, ref he takes responsibility for refreshing you. Man, that's some good stuff. Take a picture of that scripture, get a tattoo on your arm. This is important. <laughs> Proverbs 11.25 is a critical scripture, right? Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Look at a backup scripture to that, 1 Peter 4 and 10. God has given each of you a what? A gift from his great variety of spiritual gift. Here we go. Use them well, not to serve you, but use your gifts to serve woo, one another. That's why serving is so important. Not being served. He says, but I've given everybody a gift, and I want you to use this gift to serve one another. My question to you today as I get ready to close is, who is your gift serving other than you? Who is your gift serving? And watch this. Well, I, I, I go down to the Boys and Girls Club. No, no, no. I'm talking about in the body. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make the difference between that in a minute because yes, it's great to do things out there, but when we serve one another in the body, is where we get refreshed. We show the love of Christ out there, but we get refreshed when we serve in here. Come on, talk to me here, somebody. We show the love of Christ out there, but we get refreshed when we serve one another. The gift is to serve one another. Salvation, the gift that he gives us a salvation as Jesus' people is to serve other people. But we get the gift is to serve each other. That's where the refreshing comes in. So what, guess what? You could do all the nonprofit stuff you want out there all you want. God dealt with me about that some time ago. You could do all the work out there, but until you're serving in the house and the body, the body is designed to refresh you. So who is your gift serving? So number one, I want to make sure that I am connected to a church we can serve. So number two, I want to make sure I'm serving, right? Because I can't be refreshed if I'm not serving. That helps me grow. We're talking about growing, growing, growing. There's something that happens when you're in unity, when you're growing. I mean, you see that, Rachel, when you're just, just being around helps you grow. You're talking, you're encouraging one another. It's a different environment. It, it, it helps when you're together. The third thing I want to give you, the last one is small groups. Small groups. And the people that grew the strongest were people that said, according to the study, I attend a small group through my church at least once a month. I attend a small group through my church at least once a month. This is, must be my favorite study in all of any study I've ever seen. Uh, groups, and this is key, what our church does. Sister Chris is laughing at me. Groups get people out of pews and into circles. Right? Groups get people out of pews and into circles because there's certain things that while I'm teaching we can't discuss, but groups, which is what we do, try to do once a quarter, get people out of pews and into circles having discussion. Right? And the things that can come out in a circle that will never come out in the pew. <laughs> Y'all quiet there. You want some chicken. All right, we're almost done. Small groups, watch this, write this down, take a picture. Small groups is where people experience community, find freedom, and take next steps. Small groups are really, they're critically important. And it's where we do community together. And it's where we come together as a body of Christ and we talk and we share experiences. But enemy loves to isolate you. And make you feel like you're the only one going through this. When really, if you get in a circle out of a pew only, you'll find out you're not by yourself. Have you ever got with a group of other Christians and realized how you're going through the same thing? I'm going through the same thing too. Or I've been there before. Yeah, I, I can give you some wisdom. I, I've walked this out before, right? Watch the small groups where people experience community, find freedom, and take next steps. James 5 and 16 says this, confess your sins, and this is important, this is why small groups are important, to each other and pray each other so that you may be healed. You, 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 watch this, you confess your sins to God to get forgiven, but you confess it to each other to get healed. <laughs> you confess it to God to get forgiven because you confess it to me, I can't forgive you, but God can. But he says when you confess it to each other, this healing that comes. Hey, man, I, 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 I have people that I'm accountable to as a pastor. 
I have people that, that I consider mentors and people that I can call up and say, hey, I, I have this issue. I'm struggling with this or my mind is going through with this and, you know, I want to make sure this is right in my life. And I can confess with them and they can bring healing to me. I, am I helping somebody here today? Right? The enemy works in the dark. <laughs> He's a master at working in the dark. He loves to make you think you're by yourself and you're isolated. He loves to keep you in the dark. He said, but if we get out just being stuck, stuck in pews and getting circles, hey, and we start saying, hey, man, I have this flesh issue. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm, you know, I, 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 I feel like this. I'm, I'm trying to live holy, but I just, I got this flesh issue. Hey, man, let's, let's hold each other accountable, dude. Let's, let, let, let's pray for each other. Let's believe God. We're going to hold each other accountable, and this is not going to become an issue. Why? Because you need healing in that place. Man, this is better. I'm getting, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. That's all I'm, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Right? Now, who would ever think confessing your sins to each other was important? It is important. Right? God, you confess to God for forgiveness, but we confess to each other for healing. That's critical, important, right? We go to God for forgiveness, but to, but to God's people for healing. Last scripture, last scripture. Mark chapter 4, verse 26 in the Message Bible says this. Jesus said, God's kingdom is like a seed thrown in a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts, talk about the word, and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does it all without his help. <laughs> First, a green stem of grass, then a bud, and then ripened grain. When the grain is fully formed, he reaps harvest time. That same scripture in a different version says this, and it really breaks it down as we finish. Here is what the kingdom of God is like. This is important. We're going to close in this scripture. A man who throws seed into the earth, day and night he works, and as he sleeps, here's the key, the seed sprout and climbs out into the light. Wow, that, that, that really hit me. Seed, which you're receiving today, so you're sitting here today, I'm the farmer, I'm just seeding everybody. I'm just seeding you. I'm throwing, I'm throwing faith out there. I'm throwing healing out there. We're talking about what God's getting ready to do in your life. I'm seeding you, right? But guess what? That seed is not ready yet to bring forth. But that seed gets down into your life, into the dark places, and works in those dark places and climbs its way out of the dark into the light. That's profound, that's profound. He says, hey, your job is not to worry about what the seed does. Your job is to make sure the soil stays right so the seed can turn darkness into light. That's your job. And it's enough work keeping the soil right. Am I by myself? Man, keep, keeping the soil right is no joke. Right? I, I, I got to keep my heart right so that as I'm listening to the word, I can receive from the word. I got to keep my mind right. Oh, I, I got to keep all these behaviors help keep the soil right so the word can do what it was designed to do. A farmer doesn't have to babysit the seed. The seed already has in it the instructions to grow. It just needs to be in the right environment. Come on here, somebody. And when we come together and we praise and we worship God, guess what? We create the environment. And when you leave here today, you're going to leave here with this environment. And say, I'm not going to let nothing mess up this environment because I got some seeds in me, Lorenz, that I need to grow. And I need it to grow and turn my dark places into lights. Come on, somebody. I need it to turn my dark places into lights. 
I know everybody here is perfect but me, but we all have some dark places that we need God to turn into light. Come on. I got some dark places that I don't want nobody to go into. I don't want no lights to be turned on there. But if I keep taking in the word, the word goes and finds my dark places and makes sure that that word turns what's dark into light. Isn't it awesome that the word is willing to get down into your dark places? Oh, God. Isn't it awesome that the word is willing to stay in that dark place until it can find a home and turn it into light? That's the power of the word. That's what growth looks like. And even though he doesn't understand how it works, I don't understand how it works, but I know it's working. <laughs> I, I, I know it's working. I, I know the word got in me, and I, I made sure I stayed around uh, enough. A, a plant needs light. Even when, even when the seed is in the dark, the plant needs light. Come on. Even when the seed is in the dark, the plant needs light. It needs to be watered so that it can come forth out of the darkness. And in verse 28, it's as though the soil itself produces the grain somehow. The soil does it. And so as you close your Bibles and stand to your feet, what I'm asking you to do today is don't worry about how the Word's going to do it. You're so worried about how. Don't worry about the how. Jesus never worried about the how. He always focused on the who. Right? He, he always chose the who's. And sometimes his who's were all messed up. Jesus chose some, some jacked up who's. I mean, you think about Peter, man. Peter was ready. He cut people's air off. Peter was cursing. I mean, he had some jacked up who's. But he knew that uh, uh, he wasn't worried about the who. He got the who's. God, you're going to take care of the how, but you can change Peter. And Peter went on to write over two-thirds of the Bible and do some great things. Paul did. And Paul was a murderer. Paul killed people. And Paul, Paul, Christians were terrified of Paul. You understand that? You study Paul. They were terrified of Paul. Paul was a nightmare to Christians. For a living, he would go and kill Christians for a living, but yet God chose him. You're not worried. You still worry about the how when God's looking at the who, what God has for you. So watch this today. As we, as we bring this to a close, I want you to just think about it. In a minute, we're just going to praise God just for a couple of seconds. And I want you to think about what God has been dealing with you about. Uh, where at in these activities? I, those three things that make strong Christians. Where, where am I lacking in those three things? A, am I committed to the bare minimum of coming to service? A, 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 am I making sure that I'm serving and giving my gifts so I can be refreshed? Am I making sure that I'm living in a community and not in isolation? Because I want to grow strong. And if... if if those three things, you say, I, I need help in those, that's why we're here today, to keep you lifted up before him because we want you to grow. A plant that is plucked up every month can't grow. And guess what? There is no perfect church. There is no perfect this. There's no perfect that. My grandfather said, I told you the story. We were driving on the bus one day, coming back from a church event, and the church was full of, uh, 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 the bus is full of church people, and there was a church named in Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn got a church on every block. If you ever been to Brooklyn, New York, right, from New York, right, power to the people. And uh, if you ever been to Brooklyn, there's like five, 
I grew up in New York. There's five churches on every block in Brooklyn, right? And there was a church called Church Without Spot or Wrinkle. And somebody in the bus says, Pastor, I want to go to that church. He says, well, they have to change their name once you show up. <laughs> It'll be church with many spots and wrinkles, right? There, there is no perfect place. Why? Because church is a perfect place for imperfect people. It's a perfect, the church is a, is, is a perfect institution for imperfect people. So he doesn't ask you to be perfect. He says, come to me with all your brokenness, all your issues, all your darkness, all your challenges. And what I'm asking you to do is let the word get inside of you. Let the word find you. Let the word grow you. You just stay in the right atmosphere. You just stay doing the right habits and let the word grow you. So I want you just for a moment just to lift those hands up and just ask God. Let's put something on for me, Pastor Ray. And ask God to allow you to be used for his glory. Ask God to allow you to be used for his glory. Tell him, God, I just want you to pour out your love in me and through me. This, you gave me a gift that I could be a blessing to other people. Today I ask you that you allow your word to find me. Come on, just take a moment and just talk to him today. Just allow your heart to be poured out to him. This is not about uh, somebody seeing you or somebody uh, 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 knowing who you are. This is about you and God today. It says that God wants you to grow up healthy. Healthy. And the world has the ability to go find any defects, any issues that are in our life. That's what it's designed to do. So, but when you grow and you mature, it results in your behavior. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just praise you today. We thank you for everyone that is here as they have set their hearts and their mind towards the things of the kingdom. I pray, God, that your word will find them. I pray that your word that is rooted into, in their lives today that has gone forth, I pray that that word will bring forth fruit, much fruit, that that fruit may remain. I pray that they will have the strength to make right decisions. I pray that they'll have the strength to walk out of bad environments into good environments. I pray, God, that you begin to put in them the desire to serve you like never before. Give them the, 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 the ability and the strength to put you first. We come against the enemy that comes to reprioritize their life until they are no longer theirs, but they belong to him. But today, I pray that they belong to you, Jesus. I pray that you become priority in their hearts. I pray that you become priority in their mind. I speak right now that their season of stagnation and no growth are over. But I declare and decree that today, supernatural growth. Come on, somebody believe that, receive that. Supernatural growth, growth in your spirit, growth in your mind, growth, growth, growth. I speak it today that you shall grow with God. Your prayer life shall grow. Your worship life shall grow. Your praise life shall grow. We thank you that these are no more children but mature Christians. Mature Christians so that we can receive the mature things of God. We thank you, God, that you can begin to count on us because we're not children anymore. You can count on us. 
You can't count on children, but you can count on adults. You can count on us. Thank you for integrity, kingdom integrity, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, come on, somebody clap those hands and give God a big praise. Come on, if you believe it, you receive it. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, just begin to tell him thank you. Come on, begin to thank him for it today. Just take two seconds and thank him. Give him praise for what he's done, for what he's doing. Now listen, before you take your seat, just give somebody a high five and say, let's grow together. Come on, tell them let's, let's grow together. Let's grow together. Thank you, Jesus. Let's grow together. Have your seats. We're going to let you out in five minutes. We have you walking out that door. How many people are blessed today by the word? How many people are blessed by the word? Man, I pray that you are blessed. I want you to grow. <laughs> I want you to grow. Somebody say grow. Put your hand on your heart and say, I command my spirit to grow. 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 Make sure you're eating healthy so you can grow. Amen. Now, real quick, I want to make two announcements. One, I want to give you an opportunity to, to sow seed into the soil. If this is your first time here, feel no pressure to sow. We never ask our first-time visitors to sow unless God leads them. But if you're a part of Ruach City Church, you know what time it is. Ruach, you know what time it is. Get those seeds and let's get ready to sow into this awesome soil so that everything about you can grow. Amen? Amen. I need God to make some millionaires in RCC. We need some wealthy people. Thank you, Kev, in RCC. Amen. So we just be like, it's Kev's turn to sow today. You know, that's it. We just give it on one person. It's just the Chris's turn. That's it. And we're done. Amen. And, oh, it's Pastor Rick's turn, yes, to sow today. Amen. It's harvest. Amen. So we're believing that, right? We, we want this to be a church of entrepreneurs and businessmen and women, right, that are affecting the city and the world, right, through Jesus Christ. Amen. But we have a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work on our heart that we want to do in the city of Philadelphia. And this is made possible by the seeds that you sow. Amen. So when you give, the Bible says when you give, he gives back to you how? Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. I mean, people will begin to look for you, right, to bless you because you got so much seed out there. Watch the same thing. Your money is seed. Don't worry about how. Well, how, God, if I give this, how am I going to get this back? Don't worry about the how. Right? Come on. Y'all know. Y'all know we go there. We worry about the how. Right? The farmer does not know how. The farmer ain't concerned with how. His business, once that seed goes into the soil, it's between the seed and the soil. Right? And how many people believe that RCC is good soil? Come on. This is, this is good soil. I would never ask you to sow anything that you don't believe is good soil. Amen. If you want to give by app, you can give by app. You can download our app. And it may be easier for some people to give. Some people enjoy giving by app. That's fine. Um, you can download it so the Lord touch your heart on the wee hours of the morning. Let, let the Lord use you. Amen. Amen. But this ministry is built and supported by your tithe and offering. We don't have chicken dinners. We don't sell bingo cards. We don't sell green blessed rags. <laughs> what else is there out there crazy stuff? We don't sell red water. You know, we don't do none of that stuff, right? We, we stick to the word. Amen. No games, no gimmicks. Amen. No games, no gimmicks. Uh, I, I was in a service one time years ago, and the, the guy said, you know, you're going to bring a loaf of bread, and I'm going to pray over your loaf of bread, and God going to bless your loaf of bread. 
When you give your loaf of bread, you're going to give a seed. Oh, cra- I didn't heard that crazy stuff. But we go with the word says, amen? That tithe and offering, the Bible says. So let's pray over your seed. Father, we thank you for every seed that is sown today. We thank you for harvest and overflow. We thank you, God, that as they release seed, you've already released harvest. We think that we are in the blessing, the blessing. We are blessed people here today, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Just amen. one quick announcement, I'm a, and Pastor Rick's going to close us out in prayer. Um, on next Sunday, there will be no service because there is going to be a wedding uh, and they're going to be using this room and the whole entire building. So we'll be meeting up the following Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could come to your house, right? Following Sunday. What I may do is may do an online session. So just make sure we have all of your email addresses. We'll do a blast out and let you know what's going on. But they're going to be having a big, big wedding here supposedly next Sunday. So you got a week off. That means I better see everybody in church the following week. All right? You got you got one week to just kind of kick your feet back and chill out a little bit. But we want to make sure that you are uh, um, aware. I don't want you to show up by passing it telling there's no church. All right? So not next Sunday. The following Sunday we're here. Um, and the other thing I want to do is the first Sunday today we want to do communion. Pastor Rick, if you can get the communion in the back. Um, the Bible says often as you do this, you do this in honor of me, the Bible says. And so uh, the last thing that he did when he was with his disciples was he broke bread with them. He had what was called communion with them. And so we want to do this today. We try to make sure we do this once a month together as a family. Amen? Because it's special when we do this together as a family. And so uh, if, it's, if you want to participate, you can. Uh, but this is something that he asked us to do this. There were two things that he asked us to do. And one of them was communion. And why communion is so important is that when we, in a minute, I'm going to lead you through this. The bread represented his body, and the wine represented the blood of Jesus. And he says, hey, when you do this, you put me back together. And I always tell you the, the, the story of the two thieves that were on the cross. If you ever read this, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus was in the middle. You know, he had one knucklehead on, on, on one side. He had another knucklehead on the other side. And there was one person who just said, you know, he was on his way to hell. He was like, it is what it is. But then there was another person on the other side that says, can you remember me when you come into paradise? And that word remember, when people for years have read it, remember, like, don't forget me. That's not what it means. That word remember is the opposite of dismember. So when he said, can you remember me? He said, hey, can you put me back together? You're innocent. I'm guilty. I'm on this cross. I deserve to be here. I'm dismembered. Now, how many people, when you before you came to Christ, you was dismembered? You felt dismembered. Every Your heart was in one place. Your mind was in another place. Come on. Your emotions were over there in that relationship. But when you come to Christ, his job is to remember you, to put you back together. And this is what this does when we have communion together. He says you do this in remembrance. So I want you to take this bread. He said, this bread represents my body. My body which was broken for you. It was so broken that the Bible says, with his stripes you are healed. You should take a minute and meditate on that. Think about that. This is not just 
another part of the service. This is us putting Christ back together in us. So often as you do this, you show forth my death and suffering till I come again. Then the Bible says he took the cup of the New Testament. And this cup of the New Testament represents the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ, which was shed on Calvary, which covers us so that our sins are not seen by God the Father. But Jesus paid the price and the penalty. Back in Roman times, they would line up all the criminals in one line across. And they would get one big chalice. And they would put poison in the chalice, and you would drink your portion and pass it to the next criminal. And he'd drink their portion and pass it to the next criminal. But here it is. The first person, studies when you get home and you, you want to do a deep dive had the option to drink all the poison in the cup so everyone else can live. The only person that did that is Jesus. Jesus drunk your poison. He died that you may live. Gosh. So this is not just about communion. This is the blood of Christ which was shed for us. This represents the New Testament. So often as you do this, you so forth my death and suffering until I come again. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all some quiet communion takers today. Thank you, Jesus. How many people are excited about what God has for you this week? Come on, you're excited about it. Thank you, Sister Chris. <laughs> excited about it. Now, when we meet up the following Sunday, bring somebody to church with you, all right? Tell them summertime is over. It's time to get back to church, right? Vacation is over. It's back to church, all right? We're going to do some great things. We've got some great plans for you guys in the month of September and October. It's going to be really great. We're going to be introducing some things uh, in the next couple of weeks. So just stay tuned and implement those three habits, right? The bare minimum attending service. Using that gift to serve one another so you can get refreshed. And uh, in a month or so, we're going to be having our small group. So I want you to get those things ready and uh, put those into what? Practice. Somebody say practice. Let's put our hands together as Pastor Rick comes and closes us out in prayer. Why don't you stand to your feet today as we close out. Put your hands together for Pastor Andre and for the word. Oh, man. He said, the seed goes down into our darkness. Ah, oh, that, that really messed me up. And um, this week, this past week, all week I kept hearing Pastor Andre's voice saying, your spiritual growth is your top priority. <laughs> Literally, all week, your spiritual growth is your top priority. All week, so that has been resonating in my mind, in my heart, and in my spirit. And put your hands together one more time for Pastor Andre and for the Word. The Word has been such a blessing. And what I love about RCC is that this is not a place where people come to just preach to get you happy. Come on and preach. But this is a place where God has brought us so we can get sound Word. Because God is committed to our growth. Right? Not, not about getting us happy and excited 
but really so we can grow. Amen? How many of you want to grow? Like, I want to grow. Like, forget all that other stuff. At the end of the day, I want to be in a different place 365 days from today. Amen? And when we apply the word to our life in an applicable way, we are guaranteed to grow. Amen? Father, we just give you praise, honor, and glory today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your word, Lord God. You said, give us this day our daily bread. So we thank you for giving us our daily bread today. We thank you for planting your word in the ground, your word as a seed in the ground of our hearts. Father, now we thank you for your presence, allowing the word to settle in our hearts like the, like the seed settling in the ground after the rain. Let the rain of your presence, let the word settle in our hearts, God. Let the word settle into the dark places. As we receive the word today, let the word settle into the dark places, God, of our lives, God. And let that word grow, Father, as we continue to read our word, as we continue to fellowship with our church, as we continue to serve, as we continue to pray, God. Let that word begin to germinate and gestate in our hearts, God, that we might see growth that we might see spiritual growth, that we might see mental growth, that we might see emotional growth, that we might see financial growth, that we might see relational growth in our lives, that we might see spiritual growth. Father, we desire to grow. Father, so we just say thank you. Everyone just say thank you. Lord, we just say thank you in advance for what you're doing, God, as we do what we're supposed to do which is to commit to your work in Jesus' name. Father, now as we leave this place, we pray that you would give us traveling mercies. We decree and declare, God, over, over our travels that we will get to our destination safely. This is going to be an amazing week. We decree and declare your blessing over this week. We decree and declare your blessing over our families. We decree and declare your blessing over our city. We know that you have put us here as a seed in this city. God, so as we grow, we know that everything around us is going to grow. Our neighborhoods are going to grow. Our families are going to grow. Our city is going to grow. Our country is going to grow. And we thank you for this in all things. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen. All right, have an amazing week. See you the week after next week. Um, if we don't have your email, make sure you sign up at the hub table, give us your email address so we can stay in touch. We love you, we appreciate you, and we'll see you in two weeks.
see you.